What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. It's Big Foot Collectors Club with Bryce, Michael, and Ivy. I know a story of high strangeness or two. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and our super producer, Riley Bray. (laughs) How's it going, boys? Good. Good. How are you? Good. Feeling spunky. I'm glad things are good and funky because I honestly I don't care. I'm too excited about this week's episode. We need to get right into it. All right. Yeah, so let's no jump small in, talk. Yeah. All right. I do want to remind everybody that our live stream show, our Clubhouse live stream, is this weekend, Saturday, mm-hmm. March 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can get your tickets at popsylounge.com. You can get a VIP pass in addition to that to hang out with Bryce or Riley or me after the show. Guys, mm-hmm. Marcy Jaro will be there. There might be yes. some fun more surprises. A new merch reveal with a special mm. discount code that's only yes. going to happen during the show. So, uh you don't want to miss it. Some mystery merch. Mystery merch, baby. All righty. Yeah. Well, let's bring in this week's guests. We have two wonderful guests this week. Uh, this is an expert episode. We're talking to people who know more about the subject than we do, because our mm-hmm. guests tonight are no strangers to the afterlife. Please welcome to the podcast from the smash hit television shows ghost hunters and kindred spirits and host of the spooky podcast haunted road amy bruni and her collaborator from her book life with the afterlife author journalist and friend of the show julie tremaine welcome ladies welcome thanks for having us it's exciting oh so excited we got some uh, yeah we got uh, some paranormal celebrities in the house tonight well, we have great. a paranormal we celebrity and a list. friend of a paranormal celebrity. Okay, fair enough. Listen, Julie, <laughs> I didn't want you to feel unincluded. Okay, you're part of the team. That's that's what you know. It's like you're you're one of the Ghostbusters. Come on, everyone here is a Ghostbuster. We're all on the same team. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You wrote about us. We love you. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, 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 you're good. Friend of the show. You're good. Uh, Amy, do you do you like or dislike the term Ghostbuster? You know, I I don't mind it. I am fully aware of our roots <laughs> mm-hmm. so, and what gets people interested. And so, you know, people always talk about like ghost hunter, ghost buster, paranormal investigator, researcher. I'm good with all of it. It's we recently nice. coined the term ghost quester uh, over on our Ooh. Patreon because we felt like mm. we're questing to, to find ghosts, talk to ghosts. Uh, not necessarily bust them or hunt them. So maybe well, you can we wanted use it to feel Buster. like an '80s arcade game too. So. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, was just yeah. gonna say that it sounds very like Zelda. <laughs> like we're on a yeah. quest. Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stop. Um, I want to talk both about the book and uh, your podcast, Haunted uh, Haunted Road, and but I do want to say the one thing that really jumped out real quick when I was reading the book was how. 
you talked about, I think it was while you were filming Ghost Hunters, that you felt bad that you guys, because of production, didn't have time to like help the ghosts and the spirits that you guys were coming in touch with. And I, I was like, oh yeah, I never thought about that. That that's really that was a really poignant uh, point. I thought to kick off the book. Yeah, I mean, I I think it was not even just production limitations it was just that was not the mission of the show you know mm-hmm. the show was definitely like this place is haunted goodbye <laughs> you know or you know, it was just <laughs> yeah there you was never <laughs> yeah or you don't and so there was never any like solid resolution and um you know at first that was great like i was in it just to kind of confirm or have experiences but then you know later on after a few years of being on that show i just kind of felt like you know, we were leaving things kind of unsolved and that there was more that we could do. And that was no one's fault. It was just not what the show did at that time. Yeah. Bryce, have you ever thought about what you guys are going to do if you find Bigfoot on Expedition Bigfoot? Or is it just going to be a handshake and you say goodbye? Like, you're not going to help the guy. You're not going to do anything. <laughs> like, what What are you going to do? Uh, You know... No, haven't thought too much about that. I mean, I've <laughs> thought about a- it a little bit. I mean, like, let's just get to let's get to the let's get to finding him first, and then and then mm-hmm. we'll deal with what we're going to do once we do later. Fair um, enough. You know, it, it, it's funny reading in some. Um, we were at the Historical Society down in uh, Northern California, and and there was, I remember this one article about uh, you know people were so interested in making these Bigfoot traps back in the day, like and and how they were going to like haul him out of the forest, and they were so like ingenious and uh, and I was just like, oh my god, let's just focus on trying to get some good evidence first before we you know make these like ornate traps on how we're going to get him and haul him out of the forest. But uh, I mean, the next yeah, step, of course, is to put him on Broadway. You know what I mean? You get them and then you put them in show business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the whole Uh, point. So, Julie, how did you and Amy team up for Life with the Afterlife? And and, uh, how did did you two find each other? uh, So, we were both living in Rhode Island at the time and we had a mutual friend. And I said to our mutual friend, I know that a ghost hunter lives here and I know that you're friends with her and I really want to be friends with her. Can you invite her to my house? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it happened. Uh, they came over for a dinner party. I served Amy fondue. And then we were have been friends ever since. I That's love this story. <laughs> what a perfect friendship. Friendship fondue. It's great. It works mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. Spooky cheese. Yeah. And I've never had fondue as good as that night. And I literally have tried many times. So we need a repeat. <laughs> please. A friendship we'll was formed. Yeah, you'll have to pretend you don't know each other yet. That's what that was the extra spice that made it so wonderful. So That's we'll it. even ask, the melting we, pot didn't compare. Yeah. <laughs> we ask all of our guests this, neither of you are different. What is your personal paranormal history? How did Julie, how did you get interested in the subject? And Amy, I know you have a lot of uh backstory with a haunted house that you grew up in. So maybe <laughs> we'll start there. But let us know how did you get into this world? Uh, Julie first, or my, my man went me along, so. Go for yeah, it, Amy. Uh, yours is yours is much better. <laughs> okay. Um, well, no, I don't think that's true. But, uh, so, mine is just kind of long in the sense that I grew up in a haunted house, which I think a lot of people who are into the paranormal kind of had the same experience. Um, 
And then as I got older, my interest in ghosts and the paranormal just kind of continued, especially in the 80s. I was really into like Hans Holzer books and I loved In Search Of or Leonard Nimoy. And, and uh, you know, it was just kind of an odd hobby, I guess. But now that I look at my 10 year old kind of following in my footsteps, I guess it's just not so odd. But uh, that being said, I... I continued and had like a very normal life. I was a project manager at a health insurance company, but like on the weekends, I was part of a paranormal team and I would fly all over the country investigating the paranormal. Um, I started a paranormal podcast. We did the TAPS family radio with the TAPS team, which was Ghost Hunters. Cool. Uh, yeah. And so I met oh, Jane gee. Grant. Um, yeah, it was like a long time ago. Like, oh. <laughs> so I met Jane Grant through those channels and uh, they kept asking me to be on Ghost Hunters and I kept politely declining because I had a uh, the project manager job with benefits, great salary, and it seemed really irresponsible to leave all that to be on a paranormal reality <laughs> television show. Um, but eventually I said yes. They came out to California and they did a couple cases and they had me guest on them and I was hooked and I literally never went home. Like I literally just parked my car in my grandma's driveway and I was like, goodbye. <laughs> and um, I was on the road with them for like seven years after that. Sometimes wow. 300 days a year we were off filming. It was, that That's was back incredible. in the day when we would shoot 26 episodes in a season wow. and we would do two seasons a year. So it oh was gosh. a lot. Yeah, it was wild. I'm trying to do the math and I'm like, wait, is that like an episode a week? That's crazy. It is. So what it was, was it was a case a week, um, basically, but then there were occasional cases that would take up an, because I don't know if you remember the original Ghost Hunters, but it was, there was always an A case and a B case. Mm -hmm. And then occasionally there was a case that took up an entire hour. And so when we got those, that equaled a week off, basically. Like, if there was a case that they could make into an entire episode, then we got some time off. And so mm -hmm. that was how that worked. That didn't give you a lot of time to do sort of what you do is, is sort of research the history and, and do some research. I mean, you must that doesn't give you a lot of time to do that. It didn't. I mean, back then I wasn't doing like that was something that I've just always gravitated toward. Mm. Um but at that time, I was not doing that for the show. Um, that was not my role then. That At that time, the show just handed the researcher whatever they had, and they just kind of recited it on camera, whoever was researching at that time. And so, gotcha. um, but once I got into it, like I was really aware of, because once I took on the role of researcher, I didn't want to recite anything that wasn't true. <laughs> and mm. so they would give me... <laughs> Good. The research and I would we don't always... have that problem here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean we we have that problem, but we don't have that problem with it sometimes. <laughs> it just happens. It's we fine. deal but with it by would... later listening back to the episode and going, "Oops, I got that wrong." You can own up to it. That's fair. Like I'm very, yeah. I'll I'll own up to my mistakes any day. But so I would always double check whatever they handed me, which meant that I would start researching the case or I would find new things. Uh, and so that was uh, kind of, but but there wasn't a lot of time for that then. But later in later seasons, there got to be more time just because we were doing less episodes. But that was a crazy time in TV. There was no streaming. There was there were DVRs. Like everybody just watched live. Um, so 
way back in the day, in the yeah. olden days. <laughs> wow. It's incredible. So, you really sort of helped lay the groundwork for, for really what's blossoming, I think, right now uh, mm-hmm. in, in so many ways. Paranormal television and podcasts. And I think, you know, I think people have always been interested in this stuff, but now they finally have this sort of medium and this, these, these uh, channels to go to. And it's, it's such a great thing. So we're, we're grateful and thankful. Oh, well, I don't take any credit for that, but, well, we're but I do think credit. that, well, thank you. But <clears throat> what I love about right now is that you don't need, like, so when, on Ghost Hunters back then, you know, our audience on Wednesday nights at nine was three to four million people watching. Man. And um, you don't really need that now because now you're in a place where you can do podcasts or you can do a YouTube channel or you can have a show on Discovery Plus and uh, you don't need that major audience live anymore to kind of get your your project out there which it's a very different environment and it's a really great environment for people who are creative or truly interested in what we do certainly allows for more nuance too i think you can inject i would imagine even with kindred spirits which is a big show i feel like that's some a platform where you can inject a little bit more of your take and your personality into something now you know what i mean the shows have become a little bit more niche and nuanced in that way i feel like yeah well i I knew after ghost hunters and adam knew too like we didn't want to do another show if we didn't have creative control and so that's why you know we're executive producers on kindred we see every final cut before it's aired um and we just it sounds so cheesy, but like, after I just never wanted to be on a show where I couldn't like look my child in the eye one day and be like, you know what, mommy was always on the level. Like, mm-hmm. mom, you know, mommy did everything on TV, and like, I never had to give up like anything. You know, what I, mean? I, I, I always legitimate. Again, I don't have that um, problem. I kept, <laughs> I kept my integrity. <laughs> it, I, I, gave I kept that up my a integrity the whole ago. time. <laughs> the only time you, the only way you can awesome. do that is if you have complete control. So yeah. that was that was a True. big mission for us. So. so cool. That's great. Julie, how did you get into the paranormal? Like clearly you were excited that a ghost hunter lived in your town and a paranormal investigator. So where did this fascination begin with you? Well, it all starts with Stephen King, right? Like I think that there's a direct wow. correlation to if you start reading Stephen King books when you are way, way, way too young to reasonably reading them that just paves the path for you. So like, I was, I was too scared. Kid. Oh my God. No way. I was reading everything. I was like, where can I get to the books that my family won't let me read in the other room? Like there, mm. everything Stephen King, everything like Anne Rice, I, anything I could get my hands on that was spooky was great. Um, so then that led to me just being a kid who was looking for secret passages in my house and like always believing that there was something else to find out. So I, started a career in journalism. I worked at a magazine and when Amy and I became friends, that's when I really started writing about paranormal stuff. Like I went to a couple months after we went, after we met, I went to an event at the Mount Washington hotel in New Hampshire that Amy, she runs a paranormal travel company called strange escapes. And they have like these small conventions where you go ghost hunting and like a couple hundred people get together. They have experts like Greg and Danny Newkirk and John Tenney come and like oh, give lectures and lead ghost hunts. Yep. It's so cool. Um, and I went because I was like, I just really want to see what this is like. And I was more interested in not in finding ghosts, but in meeting and observing the people who were very interested in the paranormal and in finding them. And mm. I just started finding all these amazing stories. Like, I don't think anybody, at least not 
before five years ago was writing about the paranormal in like a serious journalistic way. I think it, it was either like, oh, you're crazy and you write these weird books <laughs> or it was you are a rational person who believes that there's nothing. But then what I've been finding, like I've been writing a lot of these stories interviewing a lot of really, I believe, credible experts. And I find that when I'm talking about them with like, quote unquote, normal people, every time that somebody in that conversation is like, actually, I did see something once. And they like really want to talk about the paranormal as soon as you open up the door for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We I mean, that too. we've been doing that for the past five plus years. And it does feel like this it does feel like you're granting people permission. I feel, Amy, you've got to relate to this too. Like, it's okay. Setting that safe place to talk about this stuff, I think, really does allow people to shake off that that stigma. I, I'm interested, Julie, in what you learned observing the people who are into this. Like, what conclusions have you come to about <laughs> us? Like, and us, I yeah, mean, the collective group. Not the, not the Yeah. Um, I think that there's just... There's a real through line of curiosity and open-mindedness. Mm. And, you know, mm. let's let's see if exactly what's being presented to us is true, or let's try to find out if there's something more we can learn. And I think that what has really struck me, and I, and I think it's, I don't think that everyone who is who investigates the paranormal is like this, but at least the people that Amy keeps company with and the people that go to her events have a really, really strong sense of skepticism. And say, you know, we don't we don't want to look at one weird noise and say that's definitely a ghost. We want to hear that one weird noise and say, actually, that could be one of 50 other things. Let's eliminate all of those. Mm. And if we can eliminate all of them, maybe there's something cool and let's continue down this path. It's yeah. so wild. I mean, because those are those are like key ingredients of of, of what makes a great scientist, you know, curiosity, open-mindedness, good, healthy skepticism, yet somehow they seem to have uh, cordoned off their their interest in, in in things that are outside the materialist world. And I just, I guess I find that a little bit uh, funny, uh, to say the least. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I would agree. There's something great about, uh, you know, not only recognizing that there's mystery out there in the world, but but trying to get at it and 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 find answers, you know. One thing, Amy, to to jump into your book again here, probably a little early and quick. But one thing I love that you wrote right off the the top is, I know a lot less about the afterlife than I did when I began investigating and researching unexplained phenomena. And you know, I, I too like. I thought doing this podcast five years, I would have like maybe an answer or two, and I and I have a couple pet theories, but. Sometimes it's so true. I just end up with more questions than I ever started with. Can you talk a little bit about uh, that statement? I think it's kind of one of the, it's one of the harder lessons to learn as an investigator. Like, I feel like I went into this just kind of knowing like what happens when we die? What is a ghost? You know? Mm. And then the more that I did this, I was like, I actually really have no idea. Like I know weird stuff happens and that about that's about as far as it's gone. But what I love and I'm fascinated by is just all the crazy correlations that I see or the very human element activity that I see. Like and and I'm like I, I don't know as much as I thought I did when I started, but I'm more fascinated by it mm. than when I started, if that's possible. And it's you know, it's hard because I, I people watch the show 
and they have like the same viewpoint as I did when I started. And they're so positive, like, you met this ghost. You need to cross this ghost over. You need to send them to the light. And I'm like, why are we so sure? Why do we know there's a light? Why do we know ghosts need to be crossed over? Why? (laughs) And and there's just Mm -hmm. a lot more whys now than there were before. And I feel like in order to give what I'm doing a fair shake, but also whatever or whoever is behind the activity we're experiencing a fair shake, like... Mm. I need to know for sure what is happening there or something close to it before I assume I have solved the problem. You know what I mean? And so um, it's gotten a lot more complicated as I've gone along, but um, but I just, I, I enjoy it that much more, if that makes any sense. <laughs> it does. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. For those who may not be familiar with your work, Amy, who are listening, and I'm sure most of our listeners are, You know, we've had ghost hunters and mediums and intuitives on the show before. Do you bring any of that with you? Do you feel like you have an intuitive sense at all when you're doing this stuff? Or are you approaching paranormal investigation with just boots on the ground, pragmatism, like just like I'm going to figure this out and and use (laughs) tools in my hand and my brain? And, you know, how are you coming to some of these conclusions about, wait a minute, what's what's going on here? You know, I I tell people all the time, like, don't ignore your gut. Like, when you meet someone, a living person in front of you, or you walk into a room at, like, a dinner party or something, and there's a conversation going on, and you interrupt it, like, you have that feeling, that kind of human, like, oh, I know this is a good situation, or I just walked into something tense, or, like, and and those feelings, I think, you feel... when it comes to spirits and ghosts, I think they still exhibit those kinds of, you know, they put off those kinds of feelings. And so I think it's important to listen to that. I don't want to assume that I'm psychic or anything, but I do think I'm, I'm pretty empathic with the living and the dead. Like I think I can read people pretty well. Uh, and so I take that into the investigation for sure. Uh, and, but I like to have kind of all factors. I love have kind of having a, a culmination of, experience research you know psychic intuition and feelings evidence whatever you consider that to be i like it when all of that comes together to either formulate a personality of someone who i might be communicating with or something that correlates with like actual historical facts like it's it's a lot more work than i ever thought it would be but Mm. it's super rewarding but i think it's you know if you look at spirit activity is though someone is standing right in front of you and you're trying to figure out their problem and how they got there and what's going on and you apply those same kind of um steps it's remarkably similar Mm. (laughs) and uh so you just have to take away that element of like this is uh an undead or not undead that's a zombie. <laughs> could be undead. Take you that never out. know. There's a wide spectrum out know. there. <laughs> How about take you? away the element of unseen, you know, person, and it's 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 the same. Hmm. I was going to ask, how about you, Julie? Have you ever found that sort of your interest and uh, maybe? Uh, in the paranormal, has it developed any sort of sixth sense for you? Has it? Uh, yeah. Has anything? Have you encountered anything, Julie? Yeah. Um, I feel, I mean, I just like Amy said, like you get a read on things like you can always tell when someone's looking at you, even if you're not looking at that person. Right. And I think that that same feeling Mm. applies when you walk into a space that is 
creepy and maybe haunted. Like you get a sense immediately, maybe there's something here or, you know, there's probably nothing here. Um, in, in the pursuit of journalism and also of doing crazy, stupid things, I've gone to a lot of haunted places with Amy and <laughs> I have definitely experienced things before. Uh, there was one time when I was like, we were at the Conjuring house and I was like, oh, I really want to go see what's in the basement. Everyone's talking about the basement. Super creepy. And we like, I was like, you have to go down there with me. And we walked over together. And then she was like, bye, see ya. And just set me down there by myself. <laughs> I was like, mm, no. bad friend. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, actually at the Mount Washington, not that first time, but at the Mount Washington, um, I stayed in the princess room, which is the notoriously haunted room. Um, I know Amy stayed there a bunch of times. I stayed there a couple of times. Uh, I definitely, like, I had a time when furniture was moving on its own. Um, Whoa. I had, yeah. I had super weird interference on my phone and I turned on my recorder, which is, I normally just use to record interviews. Like I was not investigating ghosts at all, I, but I was like, oh, if there's something weird in here, let me just turn on my recorder. And I was talking on the phone and I said, you know, I'm not really scared, but I really feel like I just need to go to sleep. And I repeated what I had said when I walked into the room. I, I walked into the room alone and I was like, I know that there's something in here. And I just said to the room, like, it, this is incredible. This is a really unique experience and I appreciate it so much, but I just really need to go to sleep. Uh, but then, you know, <laughs> the the room is like supercharged and I get in bed and I'm freaked out. So then I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm just going to like make a phone call and try to like calm down a little. I turn on my recorder from the weird interference and I play it back the next day. And when I say, I just said, I just need to get some sleep. You can hear a woman saying, go to sleep in the recording. Wow. Wow. Whoa. The worst part is she was calling me in the middle of the night. She's like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, I'm exhausted. Good night. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy bye. the princess group. You asked for this. <laughs> I mean, God, Actually, there, there is that element it. of I braveness. Very, you guys are very courageous. <laughs> <laughs> I did offer it to you, but you were like, yes, that sounds lovely. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And I did the I same thing on the, the haunted room on the Queen Mary. I did the same thing. But um, yes, I didn't. There was no ghost in there at least i didn't feel like there was a ghost in there when i was by myself but all night long people kept banging on the door of the haunted room so it was like every half an hour they were just like bang 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 on the door and i would just jump out of my skin and eventually the third time it happened somebody banged on the door and was like are there any ghosts in there not once for yes or twice for no and i just screamed back how are you gonna knock twice if there's no ghost here and they screamed and ran away. And then no one bothered me again for the rest of the night. But it was like 4 a.m. at that point. I had this image when you were telling that story about the princess room that there were just like all these ghosts are like, all right, we got a guest tonight. Let's put on a show. We're going to move some furniture. We're going to flash some lights around. And how disappointed they are when you're like, I just want to go to bed. And they're like, oh. That's, that was the tone on the recording. I swear that the woman was like, okay, well, you said you needed to sleep. So go to sleep. Like, I'm here. You yeah, better talk to me it. if you're going to talk to someone. <laughs> She's pretty sassy. She's, it is weird. Like, the princess room at the Mount Washington, like, literally, it's her bed still. Mm -hmm. And Whoa. it's a bed she traveled with everywhere. And so it's this really elaborate carved bed that the princess had. And, like, that's where you sleep. And so, among other, like, it's no wonder that it is haunted. <laughs>
Gosh. Give me chills already. Well, uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's get into some of these specifics. I know Bryce has a lot of questions. He's got some good notes I saw you taking about this book, Life with the Afterlife. So we'll be right back. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, we're back talking to Amy and Julie. Let's talk about this book and what the 13 truths are about ghosts that uh, at least some of them, one or two of them, maybe we don't want to give away the whole book. Um, (laughs) But uh, we're talking about life with the afterlife. Yeah. So, uh, Amy, one thing that caught my attention in, in, in reading this great book, and of course you are on the Bigfoot Collectors Club. Uh, did I read that you thought you might have seen a Yeti uh, when you were a kid? Is this right? Okay, I need to ask you about this experience. Because okay. I have, the, I have the, I'll tell you the whole story. I don't know how much time we have, but and it's in the book too. Oh, we got time for a Yeti I, story. We got time for, sure. for a Yeti. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had the wildest experience of the... I mean, I'm a, I was like 12, I want to say, my, but like there were witnesses. My brother saw it too. You can uh-huh. tell me what I saw. I hope. So uh, we were living, I lived in Northern California, Petaluma, California. And there was one night we were, we used to play in this field across the street from our house. We were running in the field. It was kind of like dusk. It was just getting dark. We had this very clear path that we followed every time. We went down this path, came up the hill, and across the way from us, like walking across a hill across the way, was this very large white figure. And I'm not kidding, this thing looked to be, like in my brain, I was like, that thing's 12 feet tall. I don't know. I'm going to guess it was more like eight or nine, but it was big. It was a white figure. It was not human. It was actually slightly transparent, I would say, but I'm not sure. But at that point, my brother and I and some of the neighbor kids, we like all saw this thing. We stopped in our tracks. No one said a word. No one screamed. Everyone just instantly turned around, turned around and ran home. Like it was like running for your life, ran all the way home. Went our separate ways at the end of the trail, my brother and I ran back to our house. We went inside. And like slammed the door. My mom was like, what is wrong with you guys? We're like, nothing. And my brother was like, did you see that? I'm like, I saw that. And and then we never spoke of it again. Wow. But then years later, I was like 16. And we used to hang out at this like kind of punk rock theater downtown called the Phoenix Theater. 
And I was there with some of my friends, like playing pool or whatever. And this guy came up and he's like freaked out. And he says, um, I was just in the forest uh, by the cemetery, which was the same forest I saw this thing. And he's like, yeah. I, he's like, you guys, I'm not kidding. I was there with some friends. We saw this like really tall, like white figure. By the way, I'd never told anyone this story because Whoa. I was like, everyone's going to think I'm bonkers. He's like, I just saw this like really tall white figure. We all saw it. We all ran. And I was like, I literally just started like sweating. I was like, oh my God, I hadn't even thought of this thing in years. And Jeez. so all of my friends, of course, were like, let's go. And I was like, I don't really <laughs> want to go. <laughs> but, but I went. And so we walked, we went all the way back. We got as far as the cemetery and this kid like peaced out. He was like, I can't do it. He's like, I'm scared. I cannot do it. I don't want to see this thing again. It was awful. And he went home. So we hopped the fence into the cemetery, went into the woods. Uh, we did not see this thing again, but we sat in the woods and we just heard this like crunching of like <gasps> footsteps all around us. And it was like mortifying and so i don't know what i saw Man. this was not necessarily bigfoot country it's the woods and like but it was still like to this day it's the one thing where i'm like i don't know like i have no answer for that i saw it i was not really what saw it yeah so been, i don't know i've been googling just so you guys know petaluma and bigfoot stuff and seeing what comes up but bryce what uh what do you think I mean, you know, look, you get reports from all over California, especially Northern California, and there are reports of, like, different colored uh, creatures that people see. It's so funny. Uh, seeing a, a white or an albino Bigfoot is 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 very rare, and it, it almost holds some, you know, some symbological significance for some. Uh, I think that's just absolutely wild. I, I love this idea that it's – I mean, when you get into that 12-foot range, you can pretty much – you know, I mean, yeah, in my mind, you're talking Bigfoot at this point, but that translucent effect, uh, I, I find that so fascinating. And I think that holds a, a, a an important clue as to possibly, uh, you know, may maybe what Bigfoot is. Uh, you know, this this show was going to be called before it was Bigfoot Collectors Club. What was it, Michael? Bigfoot is a ghost. Yeah, Bigfoot uh, is a ghost. That's a chapter we like, in the yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, you know. Um, there is, there is a Sonoma, wild. there's a Sonoma Sasquatch, um, which I know Pat, Petaluma's in this is in Sonoma County. Mm -hmm. So there are definitely sightings and I've, and I'm just a very quick Googs, a light Googs brings up, um, sightings. Like I have one from 1991. It doesn't give the color, but a seven foot tall, seven and a half foot tall creature crossing mm. the highway and, and the eyewitnesses, multiple eyewitnesses in the car saying that the that the legs and the crotch of the animal were taller than the un oncoming car, the headlights of the oncoming car. So people have definitely seen these creatures up there, but that, yeah, that white or that translucent detail so is so fascinating to me. Cause it's so that's when you're like, okay, well that's very specific. And we're talking about two different people you know, two different eyewitnesses. Mm. Years apart. Years yeah. apart. Mm -hmm. There's something there's something there for sure. And I will I mean, Petalu was kind of known for its weirdness. Like I've mm -hmm. learned <laughs> oh, mm -hmm. I didn't know that then. And honestly, I've never even Googled like Sasquatch Sonoma County. So that's really interesting. But 
yeah, to this day, that's one of those things where I would, I just, I have zero explanation, but I saw it and I wasn't the only one. So I think this just means we need to go to wine country and investigate. I think so too. (laughs) That's what, absolutely. That's what I'm hearing. Yes, that sounds good to me. Gladly. You know, uh, uh, one thing else too, I think, and, and I love, and I love this, uh, you know, you bring up a lot of, uh, community players in, in your, in your work, like the new Kirks and John Tenney, uh, people who I think we admire very much. And, and, you know, I think it was the new Kirks who, who, who was the first, uh, Greg Newkirk, who was the first person I heard say Bigfoot could be a ghost, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that article really, for the yeah, website years ago, they're really, uh, they're really great thinkers in the in this topic and can you talk to a little bit about just kind of this this new community of of the paranormal investigators and and there seems to be this new guard and 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 it's very inclusive and it's very and it's very thoughtful and and i just uh i love that can you talk a little bit about your relationship with the new kirks and tenny and 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 uh and and people like that well i really think when i started there i mean I don't love the term gatekeeping, but it's kind of mm. applicable here. Like, I felt mm. like there was a lot of like people just constantly wanting credit for ideas, or I did this first, or I discovered this, and like, um, I started gravitating toward people who just really wanted to work together and who really wanted to kind of, um, you know, just formulate ideas and and research and talk about it and and come up with new ways of doing things and share those ideas and share mm. them with people they don't know and make them available and um and then i find that you know we constantly still are like i you know i learned this from so and so or constantly giving credit where credit is due but it's not it, you know it's that was really important to me and i i don't that's why it was important for us to include all of them in the book was because you know a lot of my ideas didn't i didn't just come up with those those came from like late night hotel lobby chats or you know uh Mm -hmm. phone calls and research uh with other people and so i just wanted to make sure that people could see that we viewed the paranormal as a community and like Mm. and and um i don't you know just a partnership and to not be afraid to discuss ideas, have differing ideas, research differently, you know, use different pieces of equipment. Like none of that is wrong because like I said before, like I don't know the answers, <laughs> you know, but uh, I'll try anything at this point. And so I just really wanted to promote that idea of like, you know, it, it's not about who did what first or who came up with what, or who has the biggest TV show or the biggest following. Like just listen to those ideas and and thoughts that really resonate with you and and go with them. And I think some of that sentiment is echoed in, you know, the title of the chapter, there's no right way to find spirits. You know, there's, you, you can do this the way you can approach this work to the way that you, you want to, in terms of gatekeeping, there's not a strict rule you have to follow. Don't listen to somebody who's like, this is the only way to do it. Julie, do, I, I'm really interested in in what you learned collaborating. Like, what new ideas or any did any big light bulbs go off um, while writing the book with with Amy? Uh, I well, to give you an idea of how much I knew about the paranormal uh, when I started, the first time I ever interviewed Amy, um, I thought I was like so cool, and I was asking her all these questions, and I was like, 
Um, so do you ever use a spectrometer? And she just looked at me, just like stone face, just blinked and was like, what's that? And I was like, isn't that that ghost hunting thing that everyone uses? And she's like, no. And that was it. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, I died. Uh, but, and we actually, I actually wrote that part into the book. I like memorialized that scene forever. Um, so that was where I was starting from because I had no idea what I was talking about. And it was just years of watching these people in action like seeing seeing this idea exchange and like just this real like curiosity like the more i learned the more i was like i really really want to learn more about this so um it was just i mean that was that was the best part was not just talking to amy about all these ideas because like i feel like i knew a lot of what she wanted to say in the book before we started because i just knew so much about her philosophy of the paranormal but talking to so many other experts was so cool because every time I would learn one more thing, I'd be like, oh, that's right. That's exactly what Tenny just said yesterday. And here's, and they're all like, yeah, we know. We know yeah. each other. Like, we know what the other person thinks. <laughs> but I was so excited to learn all of it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the one thing is. I, other than that you don't use a spectrometer to hunt ghosts. Uh, I think that was my one big takeaway. <laughs> did you... Uh, did, how, where are you with all this stuff? You know, Amy was talking about how now having less of an explanation from this stuff than when when she started do you kind of have the same feeling like i don't know what this stuff is or do you have a theory of what's going on out there with this phenomena no not at all i really come from it from mm. a journalist's perspective where i walk into you know like yes i sign up to write stories about weird stuff i've written about you guys before like i'm i'm here for strange and unconventional topics but i walk into it every time thinking I'm just, I'm a neutral observer and I'm going to see what I yeah. can see. If there are things in front of me that I'm experiencing, I have to acknowledge that I'm seeing things, but I'm not going in there saying, God, I really hope I see a ghost tonight. So when I saw that, mm. when I saw that furniture moving at the Mount Washington, I was like, okay, you're really going to have to reconsider your life view here because uh, you just saw something move furniture and no one, yeah. no one physical how, moved how, it. How much did this furniture it move. moved a lot actually How much, are we talking like chair across the room or like a bowl <laughs> nudging there's a it's actually happened several times since we've we've been back to the mount washington several times and it has happened in that room more than once um there's a nightstand next to the the princess's bed and mm -hmm. uh we were so earlier in the night there were investigations in the room adam was leading investigations in the room and amy i think you were there too right yeah, I was probably in and out. I do. Yeah. I've seen this happen a number of times. They're so they're investigating. They're getting some responses. I'm just hanging back and watching and listening. And at one point, I I was sort of standing in front of this nightstand, and from I was like, my back was sort of to the wall. I could see everyone in the room. I, there was there was no one who could have done this. Um, I just I turned my head, and a drawer was popped out a little bit. And I was like, okay. okay, I heard a story before. <laughs> the manager had told me earlier that he had seen that happen before. So I was like, okay, push the drawer back in. A little bit later, it happens again. And no one, I know no one's moved. I'm standing in a place where I see nobody moving. And I'm like, this is super weird. Right. Uh, so they, they close up the investigation. People are like, yeah, we're going to go downstairs to the lobby. I was like, cool. I'll come with you. Um, I just I'm gonna use the bathroom. So everybody leaves the room. I close the door, go to the bathroom. I come back out. 
and a different drawer is extended all the way open. And no, no one no one was no, in the no, room. No, 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 the no. door was locked. <laughs> I was by myself. There and there was no earthquake. Like there was no, there was no external force. But Greg and Dana were still outside, like out in the hallway. So I'm like, guys, uh, come back in here. Some shit has happened and we need to talk about it. So they come back in and the two of them were like really trying to debunk it. They're shaking the dresser to see if movement in the dresser will make it open. They're stomping on the floor. They're shaking the bed. Anything that they can think of to for some external force to have moved this and they can't come up with mm-hmm. anything at all. So uh, mm. that has happened. That happened that night. And I stayed in that room by myself that night. And uh, I actually really? slept too. At one point in the middle of the night, I woke up and I was like, <laughs> slept like a baby. <laughs> I, uh, well, I was like, all right, don't open your eyes. If you open your eyes and you look around this room, you're never going back to sleep. So you just lay here with your eyes closed <laughs> and that's it. And it actually worked. I actually slept for the rest of the day. And it was those, fine. those are called little kid tactics. If I don't see them, they <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's like, just like everybody the covers, knows like, the no bed covers you. is a force field. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. And the ghosts know yeah. that too. No they respect feet that. Yeah. yeah. You got yeah. everything under the covers. That's it's Friend real. of the show. That's actually. D- uh, Dave Keith, when we were kids and I'd sleep over, he would sleep. With a sheet tucked under his head to the to the bottom of his feet like a shroud, <laughs> and he'd have his glasses on, so he was just ready to run out of the room at any moment. Monsters wouldn't see him. Um, one of the things that I w- I learned, you know, in the book, I mean, among other things, but I had always heard, you know, we've always talked about how, you know, there's like the stone tape theory. There's an idea that maybe when an incident happens, it leaves a residual sort of handprint or time print, you know, where something traumatic might play back. And it that so some people might say, oh, it's not a ghost. It's just sort of a, an imprint of something that happened in time. But one thing I hadn't really put together, and it's not a new idea, but you bring up T.C. Lethbridge and this theory of the aggregate of this idea that the energy can linger but then the energy itself can take on a personality and sort of Mm. mimic a mimic what we would conceive of as a ghost can you talk more about that because i love i love this idea yeah i mean i don't love that idea because it's slightly terrifying it is scary (laughs) (laughs) it's cool Um, right but yeah i do feel like it's just it's something we've been exploring more only because, you know, we're going into places that have been best been investigated repeatedly. And I always kind of go back to the idea of Felbar Winery in Liberty, Missouri, which was the old Oddfellows complex there. So there's like a hospital, uh, an old folks home, they call it a nursing home, orphanage. Um, and it's kind of like my dream location because it's literally like all these abandoned buildings and the orphanage is renovated into a winery and inn. And so I can be like, I'm going to drink some wine and then I'm going to go to the morgue. And it's like, <laughs> but, by the way, this is 45 but, minutes from my hometown. So like when well, you got to let me know you when you guys are go. going back there, I'll fly we go, home. We're, this. Go, <laughs> we're going in June. We go every year on strange escapes. And so I, I've become such good friends with the owners and we go on vacation together, everything. But anyways, I digress. But, um, but what was happening there is something strange appeared out of nowhere. Like this was normally just like a kind of, conventional haunts that you would see in an old abandoned place like this but then eventually they got this weird 
crawly shadow thing that was crawling across the ceiling. It was like whispering in people's ears. It was just a lot darker than what had ever been there because truthfully, the Oddfellows complex really had nothing but kind of noble, positive intentions ever. Mm. And what we figured or what we surmised, and this is our theory, is that they were host, they host ghost hunts there almost every weekend. And so you have people who are ready to have an experience. You know, they're going into what used to be the morgue in the nursing home. It's falling apart. They're sitting in the dark. They're tense. They're thinking about every person who ever died there. They're wondering if they're going to have a paranormal experience. They're just putting off the most insane amount of energy and emotion. They're like slightly terrified, but also excited. And like that just kept happening at night after night after night. And that I, we just felt like that energy just kind of kept being left there and eventually mm. kind of turned into what they were looking for. And it would mimic people. It would like say their names or it would like mimic their voice or it would kind of take a form that they knew that it knew was like the scariest thing to them. Um, and so that was really our first brush That's wild. with something like that. But then we started seeing it more in places that were investigated heavily because places are being investigated now more than they ever were uh, over and over again, especially these more like commercial ones. And there are these like kind of strange, different entities or spirits that are appearing there that I don't think necessarily come from the history, but I think they're remnants of whatever energy people are leaving behind. We're like adding to them. That makes exactly. that reminds me of the Bell Witch. You know, there were qualities yeah. there of the Bell Witch because they kept saying the more they talked to it and acknowledged it, the more of a personality it formed. And one could argue, well, that's what happens when you begin a discussion with the spirit. But it, I like this theory that you're put, you're create, you're helping create it by engaging with it. You know, you're well, co-creating that, yeah. this energy. Michael, you remember we talked about on the podcast that Philip the Ghost out of the Toronto Which Research is also in the Project, where, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where they yeah. created, where they literally created their own their own spirit entity by just adding to its backstory, which I love as a as an actor. It's just you just need to do more work on the backstory, and you'll get there. <laughs> uh, you know, but I, I actually want to I want to kind of segue into this. This is perfect because one thing I'm sort of becoming really fascinated with lately is is these connections and and parallels between what's the UFO and UAP phenomenon and poltergeist activity. I think it's just in recent years where we're starting to make these connections that, you know, if you're visited by a UFO and you see a being from that UFO, then maybe later you're going to see a shadow person in your room. And one thing that I, I see a lot connecting is like orbs, like it's happening okay. with the... Uh, Skinwalker Ranch, the Chris Bledsoe Experiencer case, even the aerial phenomenon, you know, um, where, where poltergeist activity, what we would consider sort of ghost activity, seems to sort of accompany the classic UFO encounter. What do you guys even, make of this? Even stories of aliens walking through walls, you know, yes. which is a very yeah. ghost well, thing to do. I have a theory on there. I think it really comes down to the belief system of the mm. person experience. Like, right. I really think it's like kind of their perceived uh, conception of what is happening. You know, if there's somebody like, like there was a woman who, <laughs> you're, uh, I think it's our first kindred spirits case. You know, she came to us and she said, you know, at night 
I am in my bed. She's like, I'm wide awake. I'm reading. My lights are on. And she's like, and this this ghost appears to me. That's this big sphere, like a crystal. And it's got all of these lights inside of it. And then its legs are crystals that come out of the bottom of it. And she's like, she describes this to me. And I'm like, that's an alien. I'm like, that does not sound like any ghost I've ever heard. She lives in the middle of nowhere. And she talks about how this being like visits her all the time, but she's convinced she was convinced it was like the spirit of her son. Mm. And I was like, uh, you know, but that's what she believed. And so it makes you wonder like, is what people think it is like, is it completely dependent on what they believe it to be you know because a lot of it a lot of the experiences people have when it comes to like you know being visited by aliens or ufos or even crypt, some crypto experiences they kind of cross over quite a bit mm. with what people claim mm. to have happened with paranormal experiences so i don't know man crystal sphere legs i, I don't know man that, that's metal that's a new one <laughs> isn't that <laughs> weird awesome. like she yeah. it was like a sphere with I, I could see it in my head too i was like i see what you're saying she was so like it's a big crystal ball with like crystals is well, like that i, had, like, I remember crystals is like yeah i remember in the Whit- in whitley streber's communion like one of the people in the house after the the night that you know some of the abductions took place talked about seeing a being that had not your traditional like alien gray head it almost had this i'm paraphrasing from memory but like a a illuminated multicolored fountain for a head so like mm-hmm. some real salvador dali bizarre stuff so there th- th- you know that makes me wonder if this is some sort of thing that dips into our subconscious or uses mm-hmm. some sort of psychic interface to to connect with us i don't i don't know it is very very true but then you get all these stuff that you're talking about like correlations where like that's consistent this is consistent this seems mm-hmm. to happen every time so i don't know why you get the highly mm-hmm. strange moments and then the moments of like it does seem to be following rules you know yeah right what was it john keel who said belief is the enemy you know and it's sort of as soon as you're trapped into a paradigm you know maybe that's what you're gonna get uh julie what's your take on this exploring all these strange topics do you find yourself splintering off into going down different rabbit holes or have you sort of stuck to one that you like or um i uh so i'm always asking all the weirdos for reading recommendations. And I have <laughs> a huge pile of books that I'm working my way through. That's like John Keel. And then it's all about cryptids. You know, there's like Linda Godfrey in there. And there's, so I've read so much about it, but then I am talking to these people that I really think are very credible and knowledgeable who are all saying like, I think it's actually all the same thing. Like, even though mm. we're experiencing extremely different phenomena, I think if you are, like more open-minded to one, you're going to think that you're seeing that thing. Like I certainly, I think I like of, I don't know if I believe, believe in anything, but I think I probably believe in ghosts more than cryptids or aliens. So Mm -hmm. like, I think that's the Mm -hmm. kind of experience that my brain is attuned to. And that's what I'm looking for. Mm. Like I'm, I don't think I've ever seen anything that even remotely resembles a spaceship or uh, I certainly did not see Sonoma Sasquatch yet 
though I would like to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonoma <laughs> like, Sasquatch. I love that. Yeah, we're giving it a name. Here we go. That's the name go. of my next book. Yeah, that's good. My, my only book. I don't have any books, uh, but yeah. Yeah, that's a good start. Be what Great I place to yeah. start. Just, yeah. just wine tasting with Bigfoot in, in yeah. both oh, yeah. Liberty wow. and in Sonoma. Um, well, I think it's great. Amy, Julie, unfortunately, we are coming to the close of this episode. I feel like we're just getting to the truth of all oh, this stuff, man. and we have to wrap it up. Um, I did want to just say side note, when you're back in Liberty, there are stories of gnomes in Liberty as well, of houses that have had gnomes haunting the barn. So maybe something I can help you look into. I'll see if I can find some of those stories. I think it was around Wyandotte County around that area. But anyway, where can people find your work? Um, where can people follow you? Should you want to be followed? Not like in the hitchhiking ghost style, but just, you know, on social media. And then is there anything, I mean, anything else coming up new? Maybe you can, is there any, any, anything we can look forward to? Ooh, a uh, lot. I mean, you can just follow me. I'm at, at Amy Bruni on almost all social media. Um, my podcast Haunted Road is coming back out, uh, the beginning of April. Um, Go give and that Julie a follow working- right now. Yes. Yeah, it's I work with Aaron Menke from Lord. We it's under his umbrella, so it's been really fun. But um very cool. And then Joy and I have another top secret book project coming out that I nice. think is probably completely uh unexpected and no cool. one's gonna even predict what this could possibly be. <laughs> Can't <laughs> awesome. wait. Yeah. That's exciting. So it's it, we got some time on it, but just know it's coming down the pipe. So well, have to probably come over back a year and, and away, but talk to us about it once it's out. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Julie, what about you? Uh find me at Julie Tremaine on all the socials and uh my most recent book that has just come out. Um because besides writing about ghosts, I also write a lot about food. Uh, my most recent book is actually a cookbook. It's the official Seinfeld cookbook, which came out in November. And you can find that. Yes. I just did a whole rewatch. Our audience knows this. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's best. Awesome. Great. Well, you know what? I think we have Life with the Afterlife up in our, if you go to our socials in our link tree, we have like an Amazon marketplace window where people can find the books. Um, mm-hmm. So click on the link. We have that up there. I will put that Seinfeld cookbook up there. Don't you? Don't Do you? It. Uh, doubt you. it. So uh, anybody who writes a book on the show will get their books out there to our audience for sure. Thank you so much for being here. You have to come back when the next project is out. Um, this has been a blast. So fun. Thank, Thank you so you. much. All right, Club Scouts, don't forget to click that follow button on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss a single episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club. We want to, that's, that's a little tease for you, if you know what I mean. Something's coming up pretty soon. <laughs> that's like Applesauce's best friend, uh, McGumfrey. <laughs> Both of them not welcome on this show. (laughs) Permanent. How dare you, McGuffrey's my old hound dog. Uh, Uh, We want. We do want to hear from you guys. Uh, If you love applesauce, please let us know. Give us a rate and review us uh, on your favorite podcast app. If you drop us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, we might Apple. Applesauce podcasts. We nope. might read it on the show like this one. Uh, Mizuk hashtag love. Yeah, I something like love. that. Right? Yeah. Pretty dope. Not going to lie. This is a really fascinating podcast and a good way to start the morning and end the day. The boys slay. 
Smiley face. I, I hope five stars. I hope you're listening yeah. to it all day Woo. long. Start in the morning, end in the day. That's invention. <laughs> yeah. That's a good day it. right there. Wake up, go to sleep with the BCC boys. Uh, if you want more Bigfoot Collectors Club, check out our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, for three bonus episodes every month exclusive to the Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club for that. And be sure to follow us on Instagram. If you're not, it's sort of the... Uh, it's not the heart of the show, but it's like the eyes of the show, I guess. Yeah, what, I paranormal yeah, comes yeah. with pictures, and that's a yeah. good place to get them. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's you got to find a place to show some of this stuff if it's an audio medium. So follow mm-hmm. us on Instagram. It is an extension of the show. We're at Bigfoot Collectors Club over there. And on TikTok, at BCC Pod. I keep saying I'm making videos, but we'll see if I actually am you're by doing, the time. You're doing good. No, you're doing great. Yeah, fine. I got some catching up to do. It was a busy couple of weeks. All right, everybody. Uh, all right. Right into us at Bigfoot Collectors Club at gmail.com for uh, to share your personal paranormal stories. Include the phrase mm-hmm. L files in the subject line. It might just be read in a future episode. You can follow me at McMills and check out my recent episode of Psyche Magic podcast where uh, host Jordan Hale, past guest, and I unpacked the dream episodes of The Sopranos. That was really, Killer. really fun. And of course, don't forget to grab tickets for our live stream this weekend, Saturday, March 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern on PopsyLounge.com. Bryce, what yes, do you got? Do that. Do that. We want to see you at our live show on Popsy Lounge. You can find me on the socials. I'm on Instagram at uh, Mr. Bryce Johnson and on Twitter at Bryce O. Johnson. And Check out our Patreon. It really is uh, us doing a whole other thing over there. So yeah, uh, we want you to join us over there. We've had a bunch of new people coming over there and checking us out. I just want to say thank you. Uh, you will get your shout outs in due time, but uh, yeah. we're having we a do blast movies over there. And books and we talk about all kinds of stuff and you get lots more Riley. I mean, so, I mean, come on, you get, come on. I mean, speak, speaking of which, I want to thank everyone that's joined the Cosmeteer recently. Oh, it's baby. Been, uh, a huge influx and it's like a whole it's a whole thing happening over there and i, I yeah. really appreciate you guys i'm enjoying doing like groovy um groovy instagram posts for those as well <laughs> I, I yeah it's a whole new outlet for your graphic design skills michael it's uh it's actually yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah i'm uh i'm peace drone uh on instagram and uh check out the cosmic tier the cosmeteer as we're calling it now yeah. um yeah, and I well, just—I mean, a, again, it's a cosmic tear. It's and a cosmic tear. So it is like the cosmic tear, and yeah, you yeah, are yeah. cosmic tears, which yeah. are spelled slightly differently, but it all w- makes sense in our heads. It so makes don't sense. worry about that. But yet, I just want to reiterate: come to the live show on March yeah. 11th, Saturday. I'm going to play some music. We're going to have guests. It's going to be amazing. You don't That's have to fun. come any come anywhere. You can just sit at your computer and watch yeah by come i mean like digitally <laughs> yeah. through the through yeah. the, the series of there. tubes yeah. is yeah. how you're going to travel send there. your consciousness yeah. our way all right yes. we want to thank amy and julie one last time for joining us if we don't see you on the other side or at the show and we'll be very sad if we don't we'll see you back here next week until then good night and go get regressed bye see you on saturday night see you there Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray and Michael McMillan and scored and engineered by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. 
do us a favor and support the show and unlock three bonus episodes every month by becoming a member of our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, which can be found at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.